this is Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and in this week's episode, we're reviewing Words on Bathroom Walls, plus all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies, and this week it's Words on Bathroom Walls. Yes, so Words on Bathroom Walls follows the struggle of a teenager adjusting to a diagnosis of schizophrenia while also completing his senior year of high school and navigating a crush on his smart and sassy classmate. It's directed by Thor Friedenthal, who very interestingly has directed Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters, which in my opinion could not be two more different films to the one that we're about to review. Well, yes, but I was going to say it's in the same wheelhouse. It's very much teen-focused, coming-of-age sort of stories. Okay, well, in that light, you are you are right. From a screenplay by Nick Navida, based on the book by Julia Walton. It stars Charlie Plummer as Adam, Taylor Russell as Maya, Andy Garcia, Molly Parker, and Walter Goggins. So let's talk about this story. It's not something that you often see such a heavy topic tackled with humour. It was quite ambitious in its storytelling and and really sucked you in and gripped you in, didn't it? Mm. A very challenging subject matter in schizophrenia and just, well, mental health in in general, but then tackling Mm. such an unknown area of mental health. Mm-hmm. Then schizophrenia, we've always got these preconceived notions or thoughts on what we think it might be and that stigma against it. So they were tackling some pretty heavy, heavy stuff here. Yeah, and it's often in films, it's often targeted as being quite a negative thing. You know, it's always the bad guy or the evil one that has schizophrenia. So it's really demonized. But the condition affects something like 20 million people worldwide. So it's wow. quite common. Yeah, that's incredible. Did you feel that this film, it, it it was tackling a lot of genres? Like I've written something down here where it was coming of age. It was mm. versus high school drama versus love story versus introspective, versus life-affirming, versus breaking down stigmas. Like, it was mm. it was juggling a lot. And I personally think that it juggled them really, really well. What did you think? Yeah, I think so as well. Um, Adam was certainly high-functioning, though, wasn't he? He seemed mm. able to ignore, to give a bit of background to listeners. He had three friends that sort of acted as different areas of his psyche, that mm-hmm. he could see them. So there was, you know, the calm, cool hippie kind of girl there was the enforcer who protected him when he felt scared and then there was this like teenage boy sex crazed hormone driven guy so they were quite fun but he seemed to be able to ignore them most of the time which i'm not sure is quite realistic oh right well i mean at times he felt quite impelled by them though i mean it definitely took risks in its storytelling and was quite inventive and I never felt that it was complacent it was always challenging you as the viewer and Mm. I think those additions those them actually visually showing us what was going on in his mind or trying Mm. to at least was pretty full-on and you Mm. could never just rest into this film you were always being challenged by something through all the different mediums of storytelling that this was throwing at you Yeah, the special effects really put you right in the mindset of Adam and what he was going through and how overwhelming it was. But also when he began to take drugs to help Mm. manage his schizophrenia, there was also some really beautiful symbolism, like the Starry Night artwork that sort of came to life around him and, you know, made him feel all warm and and fuzzy. I really liked the use of the special effects to reflect that mental state. I went in 
not knowing what to expect. I don't even think I'd watched the trailer, which is very rare for me. So I was really taken aback by what was being thrown at me. Mm. I, I was just very, very impressed. And I was kind of just going on this crazy ride, but I was learning a lot as well. I mm. had to really try and understand the character of Adam. And I think the how you were able to empathize with him was absolutely through the incredible performance of Charlie Plummer, who, if you ask me, has far too much charisma uh, than anyone should ever have. He was exceptional mm-hmm. in this movie. Yes, definitely. Um, I had a problem with the cliched character design, though. Okay. You know, the brash, obnoxious valedictorian was just a little too on the nose for me. Okay. (laughs) Was it irritating? Oh, it took me out of it. I just thought it was a little bit like... I mean, it's a teenage romance coming-of-age film, and Mm. it's a pretty standard character for that, that the girl's a little bit headstrong. Yeah. You know... Well, I mean, I thought she was portrayed really well in that she was a character that wanted to listen and learn but do you think she was a little bit too righteous or something like it was just a little bit unbelievable that she was so accepting Mm. so quickly yeah she was accepting so quickly right okay it was like yeah oh i just found out you have schizophrenia but you can overcome anything (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was quite sweet but yeah i guess okay you're making me see a little bit more through this film with your um critique no i totally agree I do. Look, I'm not the target audience for a film like this. It's very much aimed at a young adult demographic. I felt it was both adult and relatable to a younger audience at the same time, though. Again, I feel that for me, it just found that right balance. But I guess you you might have felt that it was a little bit more young audience targeted yeah. than adult. Yeah, fair enough. Going back to the performances, can we talk about the supporting performances a little bit? We had Andy Garcia, which was a surprising inclusion as a priest. Yeah, a very cool priest, if (laughs) you ask me. And I was really surprised by Walter Goggins in particular. He's relegated to being a bit player through most of the film and then ends up with a twist that puts him at the forefront of the story. And he played it so well, I think. I was really impressed. I got really emotional. I got really, really emotional in in my seat there. Uh, yeah, he, he, he was unexpected. He usually plays a villain, doesn't he? Quite yeah. a really... He's always a bit of a douchebag character. That's it. Yeah, he's definitely a douchebag character. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, he does play into that here. But um, yeah, a little bit differently this time around, which was nice to see. Before we wrap things up, I'm really curious to know what you think about the storytelling device that was the use of the psychiatrist as a tool for involving the audience. So Adam has these psychiatric sessions where he checks in and he he tells the psychiatrist what's been going on in his life. And it's the way of getting exposition, I guess, into the film. And Mm. we, as the audience, are the psychiatrist, so you never see the psychiatrist. What did you think about that as a storytelling tool? I thought it was really, really effective. They used that tool of exposition really, really well. And I think it was a great way of getting to know Adam through Charlie's performance as well. Mm -hmm. I was kind of waiting for us to see the psychiatrist took me a while to figure out actually what they were doing. And I was like, okay. oh, he's talking to us. You were waiting for a big reveal? <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for a big reveal. Like, oh, it's the psychiatrist is Tom Hanks or something. No. Or the psychiatrist is not really there and it's a sixth <laughs> sense sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was expecting something to happen. But then once you kind of settle into it, you've, you're very open to taking his dialogue directly to you. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I liked it. I think it was a very effective way, as you said, of bringing the audience in and putting us on this journey with him and showcasing his performance, as you said. Yeah. 
I mean, it was quite a confronting story. And I think that was one of the techniques that helped you as an audience understand his plight. So yeah, I think it was really effective. So how many popcorn kernels would you give words on bathroom walls? Well, see, I went into this film, like I mentioned earlier, with no expectations. I didn't actually know what sort of film I was walking into. And I was really, really impressed and surprised. I would go so far as to say that it's one of my favorite movies of 2020. Really? In that it was such an important movie about making mental illness visible. I found it really moving. It was an unexpected piece of cinema that I encourage you all to go and watch. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it four popcorn kernels. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely a coming-of-age film with a twist that we don't see addressed on screen in a positive way all the time. But I wonder if it was working against its own message of normalising schizophrenia by implying that a mental disorder can be overcome by simply accepting yourself for who Mm. you are. You know, that was a little bit of a worry for me. So I'm going to give it three and a half kernels. Okay. Well, Words on Bathroom Walls is in cinemas now. All right, are we ready to move on to news? Oh, we absolutely are. Buckle up, guys. You're in for a bit of a ride here. (laughs) Legendary Entertainment, who made Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong, is considering legal action against Warner Brothers after the announcement that Warner Brothers' film slate in 2021 will now be releasing on HBO Max on the same day as a theatre release. Now, directors aren't happy about the move either, with Christopher Nolan saying, and we quote, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. Ouch. Oofed. Yeah, Christopher Nolan is obviously the director of Tenet, a huge mm. Warner Brothers film. Do you think he's damaged his career by saying something like this? Like, it's going to open up for other studios to snap him up. Yeah, I mean, he's had a long-standing relationship with Warner Brothers. Mm. So it's really shocking that he has this position. But for those that don't know, Christopher Nolan is a filmmaker who endorses going to the cinema like no other filmmaker at the moment. Like he he pushed really hard for Tenet to be released worldwide. It was a movie to see in cinemas. And mm-hmm. we have our review of Tenet, so you can go check that out and how we thought about the movie. But despite our feelings about the story and all the rest of it, like it is a film that you need to see in cinemas. So yeah. I'm not surprised that he's saying this, but it's pretty pointed, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, he's ru- he's going to rub people the wrong way here. Well, I mean, he's not the only director either. The Suicide Squad's James Gunn, has voiced his displeasure at it as well. Not quite as harshly as Christopher Nolan has or bluntly, but there's quite a few directors that are not happy about this. Now on to the next point, which is chockers full of news. <laughs> Disney has just revealed at their investors day, a slate of new content in planning and development included are 10 star Wars series and 10 Marvel series for Disney plus, plus a whole lot of film news. Do you want to kick us off? We're only scratching the surface here guys but so we've got a few headlines that struck a chord with us not surprising is that there is going to be a new film take on fantastic four we've been waiting for the official announcement on this since disney acquired the the historic 20th century fox content business i mean what you were saying before we started recording lee you think it's they just need to move on from these fantastic four it's a cursed franchise none of the films have done well True, true. I I feel like, though, bringing them into the MCU, they'll do the best job that they can here. I have every Mm. faith in Kevin Feige here, but uh, only time will tell. 
So also Patty Jenkins has been announced as the director of a new Star Wars movie called Rogue Squadron, which is set for Christmas release 2023. This is coming after Taika Waititi's film. So there's so much Star Wars content in the works. So much Star Wars. What did you say? 10 Star Wars series. And then here we've got a couple of movies. Goodness. Uh, The title for Ant-Man 3 has been revealed as Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania i mean very dramatic but i love it uh catherine newton from freaky is joining the film as cassie lang jonathan majors will play the villain kang the conqueror and christian bale is actually going to be gore the god butcher a character who is in the comics who's tried to kill thor a bunch of times so that's interesting so we thought he was going to be a villain i don't know if he's the main villain but he's definitely a villain isn't he i mean what is Gore the God Butcher. What a name. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as expected, the Marvel films and TV series will continue to interweave with each other. Mark Ruffalo is going to appear in She-Hulk as Bruce Banner. Miss Marvel's Iman Balani will appear in Captain Marvel 2. And we already know WandaVision is going to lead into the next Doctor Strange movie. Very, very exciting times ahead. And Kevin Feige confirmed the three Marvel films expected in 2021. No surprise here. We've got Black Widow... Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and The Eternals will still release in theatres, not go to premium streaming services like Mulan did on Disney+. And there's an animated Pixar origin story in the works for Buzz Lightyear with Chris Evans voicing the role of Buzz titled Lightyear. I love this. What a choice. It's a great choice, but where's Tim Allen? (laughs) He's too old to do an origin story. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is just a perfect piece of casting, though, from Captain America to Buzz Lightyear. It's just the natural progression, I think. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I totally endorse Chris Evans in this. I think he's going to be fantastic. This is surprising news. There's a new Van Helsing movie in the works with James Wan producing and Jules Avery of Overlord fame directing. Eric Pearson, who wrote Black Widow, has written the screenplay and it will reboot the story of the iconic vampire hunter. We last saw this character with Hugh Jackman playing him, didn't we? It wasn't the greatest movie ever made. I have quite a soft spot for the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I quite like it. So this is part of Universal's overhaul of their dark universe that features Wolfman, Dracula and the Invisible Man. No word on casting yet, but how good would it be if they got Hugh Jackman back in? Well, maybe just like Tim Allen, he's too old, you know, (laughs) to return to his role. (laughs) Hugh Jackman is ageless. (laughs) Now, this is probably the most exciting news for me personally this week. Mm. All this Spider-Man 3 casting news is just coming at us hard and fast. So Alfred Molina will reprise his role as Dr. Octavius in Spider-Man 3. And we've also got Charlie Cox, who will also come on board co-starring as Daredevil now. That was the role he played in the TV series. We've also got Kirsten Dunst, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield all coming. The slate is totally stacked. I feel like studios are realising the value of bringing back the casting that's done well previously. Mm. So not recasting characters that people are so familiar with, just really realising the value of that retro aspect I think is really cool. Well, whatever they're doing here, obviously from a story perspective, They clearly need the original actors to offer the impact and the story arc that they're, whatever they're trying to do here with the Spider-Verse or whatever. So it wouldn't work if you didn't have Toby and Kirsten and Andrew in the fold. So, I mean, just gimme, gimme, gimme. I cannot wait to see what they've got in store with for us here. No word on Emma Stone coming back yet, though. (laughs) 
Do you think that's likely? Surely. She died, didn't she? Spoiler alert. Yeah, she died. Oh, well, no one dies forever in films. Always find a way to bring him back, right? Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Now, this is incredible. Matthew Vaughan has said that seven more Kingsman movies are being plotted out. Presumably a sequel to the original movies, a sequel to the prequel that we haven't seen yet. (laughs) The talked about Statesman spinoff that was going to star Channing Tatum and Halle Berry. Why? <laughs> you don't like these movies, do you? <laughs> oh, look, the first one was great. The second one was fucking god-awful. And then we haven't obviously got the this new movie, Kingsman, out yet. It's been delayed by all the shuffles uh, of late. And then they just come out saying, oh, yeah, there's seven more movies in the pipeline. It's like, can we just release the third one and see whether people give a shit before you go out making such grandiose statements about a franchise that really hasn't got off the ground yet yeah true true i enjoyed the movies though i love the movies for their escapism and the and the tongue-in-cheek poke that they do to bond films i think it's great Mm. well there's plenty more to to get excited about lee seven no less (laughs) (laughs) and emily blunt has confirmed that edge of tomorrow 2 is still in the works this is quite exciting because i really enjoyed that first film yeah fantastic Blunt told Hollywood Reporter there's a great script and it's just about getting their schedules to align. Now, I'm not sure this is ever going to happen because Tom Cruise has just got back-to-back films going on at the moment. It's never-ending. This is the film that just keeps getting pushed back because of Tom's schedule. Like, he's making Mm. 1,300 Mission Impossible movies, (laughs) uh, which is brilliant. And then that one about going to space. Yeah, like literally filming in space. Do you know what, though? He should prioritise this film because the chemistry that he and Emily Blunt had in this film was fantastic and the story was really good. I think this is one that he really needs to push to the front of the queue. And it was a huge financial and critical success. So I think people are really wanting this sequel. So yeah, they should get to it pretty quick smart. I agree. I know I do. (laughs) Wow, that was so much news. That was so much news. (laughs) (laughs) There's no more news left in the world. I just said it all. (laughs) Well, that was it for another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. Thank you for listening, guys. And catch you next time. Come and join us in the conversation on Facebook. Like our page at Popcorn Podcast AU and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think about these movies. 